The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen now for God's word to you as it echoes to us from one of my favorites, Psalm 71, beginning with the first verse. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth, it was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me, and those who watch for my life consult together. They say, pursue and seize that person whom God has forsaken, for there is no one to deliver. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let my accusers be put to shame and consumed. Let those who seek to hurt me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all day long. Though their number is past my knowledge, I will come praising the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will praise your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to all all generations to come. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? 
please God, be my refuge, be my cave, my, my fortress, my secure place. I've found safety in you before, please shield me again. The wind, the storms, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, they're too much for me. Be that card table covered with a blanket that I can crawl under. Be that tent shielding me from the elements. Be that warm and welcome place out of the cold. Be my refuge, O oh God. Have you ever prayed words like that? I have, recently. At times, I can be a worrier. I know congregants don't like to picture their preachers as warriors. I know I'm supposed to turn all my worries over to God, but sometimes that is easier said than done, easier preached than practiced, especially at 4 a.m. At 4 a.m., I can doom scroll like a pro. I can worry over the state of the world, the mess we've made of the environment, the unsteady negotiations between the US and Russia over Ukraine. I can worry about people of faith, people in this family of faith, people in the hospital going through hard stuff, making hard decisions. In the wee hours of the morning, I can worry over the church, over inflationary pressures, over making the pledge goal, over a whispered rumor that so-and-so was seen worshiping at another church, <laughs> over how to keep all the plates spinning, hot meals on 55th Street for the homeless, a superb staff barely compensated, the lights on in the choir loft. I tell you this now because I've been here for a while, 14 years, and I figure you don't need me to hide this part of me from you. And I tell you this because, well, because you have shared your worries with me. So many of you have told me about the things that keep you up, the things that make you pray. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Last week, I read a column in the New York Times by David Brooks. It was entitled, America is Coming Apart at the Seams. It was not, as you might guess, a particularly upbeat editorial. Amy tells me not to read the news in the middle of the night, and she's right. I have a novel I'm enjoying. It would have been a better choice, but instead I clicked on the grim analysis of our current cultural predicament. I didn't even need to look at the clock. I knew intuitively it was 4 a.m. In the article, Brooks describes a rise in polarization, hatred, and fear in America alongside a drop in our ability to care for or about each other. His statistics left me unsettled, wide awake. Here are a few tidbits. 
hate crime numbers over the last decade are steadily going up. Firearms purchases are up, way up. And according to the Lilly School of Philanthropy at Indiana University, charitable contributions are down. 66% of Americans made a charitable donation to some noble cause in the year 2000. By 2018, 18 years later, only 49% did. This is a huge decline. Less than 50% of Americans at all income levels and in all ethnicities give anything to charity, anything at all. What's wrong with us? Is our capacity to care shrinking? Have we decided everything out there is so totally messed up, it's time to look out for me and mine? We are a long way from, a long, long way from, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Whatever's happening in our hearts, says Brooks, is not good. We've lost our sense of solidarity, our sense that we need each other. This is what it feels like, Brooks writes, to live in a society that is dissolving, that is coming apart at its seams. Brooks' words had my eyes wide open, and so I prayed. I prayed my typical four o'clock in the morning, yes, I have one, my typical four in the morning Psalm 71 prayer. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. When you pray Psalm 71, when you pray it over and over, when it becomes sort of a mantra for you, you, you start to hear the voice of the psalmist in your head. Uh, the psalmist prayed this prayer, I'm convinced, wrote this prayer, not because everything was hunky-dory. The, the psalmist prayed that God would be her refuge, her fortress, because she was under duress. You pray a prayer like Psalm 71 when you feel attacked, assailed, in a scary place. This psalmist is worried. She asks God to put a, a roof over her head to, to shield her from the elements. What elements? Well, in Psalm 71, the author expresses concern that enemies are plotting her undoing. It, it sounds sort of paranoid, but then again, we've all been there. We've all worried about other people's opinions. We've felt the sting, imagined or real, of those conspiring against us. Is the psalmist right? Are there those who seek to hurt her and cover her with scorn and disgrace? I don't know. 
I do know that this is how she feels. And, and here's the important thing. She takes her unsettled, anxious, maybe even traumatized feelings to the right place. When the black dog comes calling, as Winston Churchill used to call his melancholy moods, the psalmist turns to God. God, she says, you have been my rock and my refuge every day of my life. You've been there from the very beginning. Please be there again. Did you pick up on the midwife imagery that's in this psalm? You took me from my mother's womb, the psalmist sings. You handled me when I was a newborn. You wrapped me in a blanket after that first breath of air filled my lungs. And you've been there ever since. From day one, the psalmist testifies, you've had my back. I love that phrase. Got your back. I'm not sure that there's a more comforting thing that we can say to each other. Come what may, come hell or high water, in good times and bad, I'm there with you, watching out for you, making sure nothing bad sneaks up on you. Got your back. When I was a teen, I used to play this board game, an Avalon Hill board game called Diplomacy. It was a turn-based strategy game in which luck really was not a factor. There were no dice to roll, no cards to draw. The entire game depended on a series of private conferences that you would have with other players. And in these conferences, you would make promises. After the conferences, everybody would return to the board to move their pieces. And it was at that point that players would find out who had honored the promises they made in secret and who had not. The results weren't always pretty. In my high school, diplomacy torpedoed friendships. Some of my buddies refused to ever play the game again. They'd been burned. Someone who had initially promised, got your back, had betrayed their trust and instead stabbed them in the back. It was an early lesson for me. There's something sacred about saying, got your back. Something powerful is invoked, like a wedding vow or a baptismal promise when a friend says, I'll watch your six, I'll be there for you when the slings and arrows start flying. Psalm 71 gets this. Awake at 4 a.m., the psalmist declares, I, I know who you are, God. You're the one who will not renege. You will not change sides. No matter how bad things are, you will be there, a refuge, a rock, a friend who will not turn. From the days of my youth until all my hairs go white, you have stood by me. Is that enough? In her wonderful book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott writes, it's funny. I always imagined when I was a kid that adults had some kind of inner toolbox 
full of shiny tools, the saw of discernment, the hammer of wisdom, the sandpaper of patience. But then when I grew up, I found that life handed you these rusty, bent, old tools, friendships, <laughs> prayer, conscience, honesty, and said, do the best you can with these. They'll have to do, and, and mostly against all odds, Lamott writes, they do. I wonder, I wonder if the root of America's problems, the reason David Brooks thinks we're coming apart at the seams, I'm wondering if the root has to do with people who are tired of the game of diplomacy, tired of being burned by individuals and institutions who once promised, I've got your back. I wonder if, if Psalm 71 has a cure for this, a salve, something that can heal our corporate wounds and deep distrust. God, says the psalmist, you have always had my back. I trust you with it now in this hard moment. If, if faith in God can live and grow in the face of adversity. I wonder, can our faith in each other do the same? I wonder if those rusty, bent, old tools might actually be the thing that saves us. About 10 years ago, I was on a canoe trip in Canada's Quetico wilderness with three other Presbyterian pastors, one of whom happens to be Reverend Sarah Speed's father, Tom. At one point on the second day of this trip, we were portaging between two lakes. Now, portaging involves taking everything out of your canoe and carrying all your gear and food in packs across a rocky up and down trail to the next lake. Some portages are over a mile long. This particular day, we were portaging in the pouring rain. Sounds fabulous, right? I was carrying a canoe on my shoulders. Modern canoes, made out of lightweight materials, weigh only about 50 pounds. The weight isn't too bad. It's the distribution that's challenging, the balance. The canoe rests high on your shoulders, and it stretches about eight to nine feet in front of you and eight to nine feet behind. That day, in the downpour, we were making our trips back and forth, and because people were traveling at different speeds, I was alone. Walking along a creek bed, I twisted my ankle, I fell. The canoe, on the other hand, got caught in thick underbrush. It did not fall, and here's the kicker. My life vest had somehow become hooked on the canoe. 
I was suspended, hanging under the canoe. I could not move my arms, and ironically, the life vest was tight around my throat, cutting off my air. I don't always make the right decisions when I'm under stress, but this time I did. I thought, be calm. I dropped my chin to my chest to keep my airway as free as possible. I said a little prayer, and I waited. I didn't move. A few minutes later, I heard welcome steps on the trail behind me, and a voice, Sarah's dad, Tom, shouted, Scott! <laughs> he ran over, released me from my vest, and quickly sorted the situation out. Listen, he said, when all was calm, I don't want to have to portage you out of this place. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. Take it easy for a bit. I've got your back. Felt good to hear those words. So good. If God is a friend, a friend like Psalm 71 describes, a rock, a refuge, a stalwart presence in times of trouble. Are we not called to be the same? Could it be that the threads capable of repairing the seams of our society will be stitched by that rusty old tool, friendship? Will you test that possibility with me? This week, will you tell someone in word or deed, got your back. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. And while you're at it, get someone's back. Amen.